one of the interesting things that I really believe uh, that I don't think women embrace is that so many of us are already very entrepreneurial. Like I do believe that if you want to create a, a rich life that you want to live and rich in experiences and relationships and sure financial can be a part of it. If you really want to create that life, you're the only person who's going to do it. Hey there, you're listening to Never Done This Before, a podcast where I interview humans that have the courage to start something new and take action. This podcast is for those that want to discover their purpose, to understand what is possible, to be inspired to start their own journey into something new. Whether it's a new career, a hobby, starting something in your community, or changing the way you live your life, none of those things are simple and they're not easy. I hope you find valuable insight and gain fresh new perspectives from each episode. I'm your host, Jacob Miller. On the internet, some people call me Kinetic Bear. Either way, I'm glad you're here. So thanks for joining us. Hey folks, I just want to take a second to um, just kind of speak my mind a little bit. Um, it's been a little while since I've published uh, a new episode. I've actually been off of Instagram uh, personally for like almost four weeks now, just kind of unplugged for a bit. Um, just felt like, I don't know, overwhelmed by everything that's happening, um, by just anxiety, just whatever it may be. Um, you know, there's a lot of things happening in this world and, uh, I don't think that everyone, anyone should ever feel, uh, embarrassed or ashamed of that anxiety or that uncertainty, that feeling of uncertainty. Um, so yeah, I just took a mental break from this um, even though sometimes I know when I do these things like a, a creative project, like a podcast or uh, make a, you know, an animation or write a blog post or whatever that may be. Um, but I don't know. At the end of the day, you just find yourself tired, exhausted, and you don't want to do anything. Um, and then today I decided to go for a run and it just like helped so much. And I think even just like getting yourself off the couch, so to speak, um, to just go for a run is that, you know, just that initial first step can be really hard or just whether it's yoga or whatever it may be for you. Um, it's yeah. So I think, you know, don't be ashamed or embarrassed if, if you're feeling like I'm feeling where you're just like, don't want to do anything like that's kind of overextending yourself or I don't know if you feel unmotivated, you're not alone. So anyway, don't really know how to end this, but I'm just going to end it like this. Um, so now I'm going to go back into the little intro clip and uh, hopefully I will be more consistent. I have quite a few more episodes to share with you. I have about 10 more uh, recordings that I did between uh, April and May. So I'm super pumped to get those out to you. Um, so yeah, so let's go back to the intro. <laughs> All right, folks, we are back, hopefully for good. Episode eight with Jess Dennis. And what an episode to return with after a little break. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed my, uh, my episode, my conversation with Jess Dennis and I'm raw and uncut. And that's why I love talking with her. She's a mom that loves building businesses and she loves helping other women build businesses too. So let's get to it. All right. Uh, welcome to the show, Jess. It's great to have you here. Um, we've been kind of chatting back and forth through through Instagram for a while. It's it's really awesome seeing how you support entrepreneurs uh, through Instagram, especially women and mother entrepreneurs. So maybe how, share um, who you are, what you do, just a little intro to you and your life. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I love connecting with people. This is a fun, I'm looking forward to our conversation for sure. And any opportunity that I can just to talk to women and talk about entrepreneurship as a viable career path. It's just something I'm really passionate about. Okay. What was, what was your question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sierra, yeah, lost so, it. yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, so who, who are you, you know, and, and kind of what do you do? Like, what's your, what's your business right now? Like what's going on? Mm hmm. So I'm Jess. I live in Wisconsin. Um, just because I like putting that because I know you can reach all sorts of people online and people, you know, for whatever reason, are always surprised to find out that I'm in Wisconsin. And it's something that I'm really 
passionate about because I think you hear about entrepreneurs, especially on the coasts, right? Like New York, California, but you don't always hear about them in the insides and places like Wisconsin. So I think that's important because it encourages people everywhere, wherever you're at, there's opportunity. Um, but I am an, a serial entrepreneur and I can honestly say saying that still feels weird because I don't take myself that seriously. My first business was out of necessity during the recession. I didn't think too much about it. I essentially jumped in, got a $10,000 loan from my dad and have never looked back. Um, it was the first business that really piqued my interest, that business models are all entirely different, that the way they make money, the way they grow. Um, I, I became very interested in how all of that worked. It was like figuring out a puzzle and looking for the the one that fit my life. And I would say over the last, well, that was back in 2008. So just over um, 12 years, I've been just exploring all different business models. I've owned businesses bricks and mortar where I've had employees and overhead and the whole thing. I've had uh, vacation rental businesses. So in real estate, I've done network marketing. So all social commerce and virtual sort of franchise stuff. Um, I've done online uh, micro donation platform. So all kinds of different stuff. I don't know. And I've loved every one of them for different reasons. And most recently, I wrote a book called The Balanced Entrepreneur. And the purpose of that book was to share my story, the things I've learned, and really, especially encourage women to look at this space of entrepreneurship, because it has been the vehicle in the path that has allowed me to be the most present mom that I could imagine being. Um, and where that came from was way back to my first business when I was 25, my husband and I unexpectedly found ourselves starting a family. Um, and when we had our first daughter, you know, from the minute I looked at her, I knew that I didn't want to waste that opportunity. Like I knew that was something that wasn't going to come back around. And I believe everything that people say about when you're at the end of your life and looking back, what are the things that you regret? And I didn't want to have those regrets. And when I started asking other women, how do you balance it all? How do you have that fulfilling career and yet feel like you're at home and you're fully focused on your child and your family? Because I felt like I was failing at both. But when I would ask this question, too many women said you can't. And their response to this and their solution to how do you find balance was you stop looking for it because it's just not possible. And I had every time they would say this, and I heard this from so many women. In fact, I heard it from speakers and panelists and all these all these different women. It just like slowly broke my heart. Like it hit something inside of me that I thought that answer will not do. That cannot be my life. I will figure it out because I knew for sure that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It just was so much a part of who I was. And I also had this little person that I wanted to take care of and not miss that opportunity. So I knew I had to figure out how to do both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, even so, like, obviously like you, your experiences probably weren't perfect. And like, as you would hit thresholds of like, wow, I'm spending too much time on my business. I need to spend more time on my family. And every time that happened, you're probably like, what can I do to stop myself from going past that threshold again? So I'm not, like sacrificing time for my business, for my family and all that kind of stuff. A hundred percent. And yeah. I actually, the people say like, wow, it's so great. Like you're, you're working on balance. You must be a very balanced person. Um, I'm not by nature. I am a very black and white, like two feet in. I am not a balanced person at all. Uh, mm -hmm. Just by nature. I do everything full bore. Um, if I'm going to change one thing about my life, I like to overhaul absolutely everything. My husband, I mean, he, the poor guy, we should, <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> he's still here. Um, because I, there's just been so many times where I've come home and been like, honey, we got to do this and this, and we have to change all these things. Balance became my thing because it's been one of the things that I've had to work hardest on. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So, um, before we kind of jump more in, into that, um, do you want to share, you know, what is your, what is your personal life like right now? You know, what do you enjoy doing in your free time? That kind of stuff. So again, going back to the balancing, what do I like to do in my yeah. free time? I love to work. I love <laughs> to build businesses, right? Um, my life right now, I run 
um, two different businesses. I have one of them in the network marketing space, the social commerce channel. People call it all sorts of different things, direct sales. I've yeah. worked with this one company for, um, it'll be eight, coming up on eight years very soon. I work with this company. And then in addition to that, I wrote a book and I'm right now setting up different systems and platforms to teach women the things that I've learned in entrepreneurship. I've said- yeah. I felt like the first decade was the time that I really learned what entrepreneurship looked like for myself. And, and let's be real, like you never stop learning. I'm definitely still learning. In fact, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm just getting started. But I can also feel that I really want to share that. There have been a lot of people, women over the years, who've just said, you know, like, I wish that I could have what you have. I wish that I could work from home. I wish that I had the flexibility. I wish all these things. And I know that they can. And if there's someone there who can help them, I want to be that person. I want to be able to share what I've learned. And so the other business is um, Balanced Entrepreneur. And it started with yeah. the book. We have an online course. We're working on another one. And I'm just really hoping to expand that business. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I definitely can relate to the whole in your free time. What do you like to do? It's like, well, actually, I like to make new things, more things. I like <laughs> to keep creating new opportunities and stuff. It's, I think it's just, you know, the personality type, like, like I'm also, a, I feel like I'm a starter as well. Like I just like have a lot of interests. And when I do have an interest, I like to like, like you said, two feet in, like just go all in really deep for a while. And then if I don't like it anymore, then I stop. And it's just mm -hmm. kind of like, you just kind of mess around with stuff. So I also, um, I love cool. art. And I will say one of the things that has been a challenge for me is not trying to Oh, like business, everything. Um, mm -hmm. So for example, at one point I was doing, I love pottery. I love anything on the wheel, throwing pottery. Love it, love it, love it. And I, when I was really deep into doing that, I wanted to figure out how to create a business around it. And there have been times where I've had to like put the brakes on, like just, the, you don't have to make a business out of everything. And I will mm -hmm. literally try to make a business out of everything. I've tried making a business out of, creating light fixtures out of baby food, all different things <laughs> at different points in my life, because I was just so excited about it and wanted to, wanted to share it and wanted to do more of it and see if it could work and figure it out. And it's mm -hmm. a figuring out that I just love so much. I'm a very, I'm very curious. So yeah. kind of scratching that and figuring out how things work is just a huge passion of mine. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now I'm also curious, I have a couple more questions before we jump into like your origin story of becoming an entrepreneur. Um, what, uh, I always ask this because I'm a musician myself, but what kind of music mm -hmm. have you been listening to lately and why? Has it been like newer music or are you find yourself going back to things you used to listen to when you were in high school or anything like that? So you know what's wild is I am not a super music person, meaning like I couldn't tell you a lot of artists. I couldn't tell you what mm -hmm. I'm really into, but I know when you have like the right playlist for the right moment, right? Yeah, yeah. So right now, um, we're listening to actually a lot of Christian music, uh, mm -hmm. just with the quarantine and trying to keep ourselves positive and mm -hmm. just something that I want my kids to be raised up in. We do a lot of Christian music, but then yeah. at the same time, if I jump on my Peloton, oh my goodness, like Britney, Madonna, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Janet Jackson. I mean, anything, you know, like workout music, I absolutely yeah. love. And then we're doing a lot of throwbacks. We're doing a lot of Tom Petty right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All of my husband is a really big 80s, 90s guy. And so we listen to everything. I also love country. So, I mean, oh, all yeah. of it. Yeah, for all sure. Yeah. I've been like with, with all this quarantine stuff lately, it's like I've been finding myself getting going back to nostalgia as well like 90s stuff like 90s pop rock playlists uh 2000s grunge like whatever was popular on the radio like just because it's like it reminds you of a better time almost in a weird way it makes you feel good yeah know. yeah so I, anything um, that's like yeah. upbeat right now i swear like yeah. even with yeah. any of the playlists if we get to like a sad song it's like oh skip skip yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to think right now i just want to be yeah yes yeah, yes um well, cool. And then this other question, I, I don't know how you're going to answer this. I'm actually kind of curious. So if you weren't doing, you know, if you weren't an entrepreneur, mm. which is like kind of crazy to probably think about, and you know, and money wasn't really a problem, like what could you see yourself doing with your life instead? I know exactly what I'd be doing. Um, I would build an aquarium and yeah. I would be running an aquarium. Yeah. 
like a big. Why? Where does that come from? <laughs> so I I'm love 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 the ocean, and I love mm-hmm. um, anything in the ocean. I've been obsessed with whales for as long as I can remember. I swear I like came out of the womb interested in whales. I've painted them, <laughs> drawn them my whole life. I'm crazy about whales. I'm just, I don't know, fascinated. My, they're all over my house and I love seashells and fish and all this stuff. And every time we get by the ocean, anywhere we go, I just feel like I'm at home. Like there's just something that's so settling and grounding about it. I, mm-hmm. I find it like deeply mysterious. I love everything about the ocean. I find it peaceful, calming. And at the same time, I find it absolutely terrifying. Like one of my dreams is to, uh, feed a uh, great white shark in a cage because I think if, yeah, if I don't die of a heart attack from that experience, I think it'll be the coolest thing I ever do. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I would, I would build an aquarium in this area because I want to share that with other people, kids in particular, because Mm -hmm. if I didn't have the parents I had growing up, the means, the financial means that we had to travel and get by the ocean, I wouldn't know that this was a part of who I am, a part of my soul. And Mm -hmm. so I want to bring that to other people so that they can experience it. And I just think it's absolutely stunning and gorgeous. If I could, if I could go every single day and see underwater fish swimming, I think I would just lead a much happier life. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. That's, that's, I, also, that's, I think it's I think it's part of my purpose too, and I have no idea how I'm going to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. It, well, just what you said, you you like it feels like everything you kind of pursue, even if it's like a dream, like of an aquarium, like everything that you pursue, you're always like, I want people to experience the, something that I am experiencing. You want to share mm. that like that delight, like that's what it feels like to me as you share more things and more things whether it's through Instagram or right now in this conversation, that's what I'm starting to, I'm seeing this pattern of like, you want to, you want to share like the rewards that you've found and like show them how they can get it too. Totally. Um, I think that's also, you know, I don't know if you like to cook, but my favorite thing about cooking, number one, I find it highly creative, but number two, I love feeding people. Yeah. I love it. It's probably the reason I wanted to have a baby food company. Part of the reason is like, there's nothing better than giving a baby different types of food and just watching their reaction. It's <laughs> joy, just yeah, yeah. pure joy. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so this next section is uh, I like to call back to the beginning, um, talking about kind of your origins. And and for you, I think we'll talk about just how you became an entrepreneur. Um, so I want to go back to like when you first considered being an entrepreneur, you know, what was going on in your life? What was going through your head? Like, why did you want to pursue it? Like what kind of like set the scene uh, for everybody? Yeah. So it was back in 2008. So that was the great recession. And I was just starting out my career. I was only, I think a year and a half into my career. And my background is in communications, marketing. And so I was working at a full service advertising marketing agency. And as things got harder and harder economically, we were losing clients. And we had a lot of the employees at this company had taken a pay cut. Some had actually lost their job. And I, I was interesting because I didn't feel fearful about it. I just felt very curious about it. And it just felt like this time where I could really ask the question, what do you want to do? What do things look like? And Long story short, I ended up going out with a business partner with somebody else who worked with me at that same place. And we started a public relations social media management company. Um, And it was a great time to start that because during the recession, people were looking for the things that we the things that we provided, the solutions that we were offering. And so the business grew very quickly. Um, I was with the company for three years. And my primary responsibility during that time was to get the business up and running. So if anything from what did we, what services did we offer our clients to payroll, accounting, um, po- the just policies, procedures, the employee handbook, how we ran the business internally. And I loved that part of it. I loved figuring out how we wanted the business to be structured. At the end of the day, I ended up selling 
my half of the company for a couple of reasons. Um, one that I talked about earlier, we had our daughter during that time and I was really struggling with trying to find the balance and how to be that present mom I wanted to be while also running this, this company with employees and clients and all sorts of things. Um, but the other reason is because I was actually looking at how we could expand this business. I wanted to create a franchise or I wanted to license it because there were a lot of women that would come to us, women in particular, who would come to us and say, how did you do what you do? I want to do a similar thing. And I wanted to find a way that we could create like a business in a box. We could bundle everything that we offered and be able to hand it over to them and then support them as they got their own business up and running. And at the end of the day, my business partner and I just had a very different view of what we thought the future would look like. And so I ended up selling my half. The company is still going on today. They're very strong, which is awesome to see. And then from there, I just started, I don't know, just started figuring out what else is out there. What else do I want to learn? And so I started a a technology company. I ran um, an online micro donation platform where we helped local nonprofits raise money online through smaller donations, utilizing social media very heavily. We helped nonprofits raise about $100,000 before we ended up unfortunately shutting that, that business down um, because the founders and I, there were two others that we just were, we had other opportunities that we were passionate about. And so we wanted to pursue those things. Um, I found the company I'm with today. I started vacation rental properties as a result in um, in the real estate market. And it's just like continue to evolve from there. Um, gosh, I'm even trying to remember. It starts to get a little hairy. Like what were all the mm-hmm. different businesses, right? I mean, I think then it led to Balanced Entrepreneur. I think that's where we're at today now. And there's going to be some shakeups this year. But the thing for me, I would say my my background, it's been in entrepreneurship unexpectedly. I did not see that coming, to be honest. I ended up being sort of a product of the recession. But what I found in that was that I'm I really, really love figuring out business models. I love figuring out how businesses run, how they make money, how they grow. I almost see them as something, they're apart from the owner themselves. Like I really don't believe, you know, when when a business owner, they make the business all about themselves. That's definitely not how I do it. I see it as something that you start and the whole goal is to nurture it and grow it apart from yourself. Um, so that someday it can hopefully stand on its own without you. And that I think is one of the coolest things that you can bring into the world is just something else that exists that other people can be a part of that can continue to grow. So that's kind of my background in a nutshell. Yeah, um, but yeah. notice how I didn't mention family at all. See, this is again, <laughs> why balance is so important is because if you ask me, who are you? I'll quickly default uh, to business in mm-hmm. During the last 12 years, um, we have, my husband and I now have three girls that we're raising. One of them is five months old. Um, The other two are eight and 10. So we had a really big gap in there. And I've just continued to build businesses and I've been attracted to businesses that I can build alongside of the life that we're leading. So typically, because of the life stage that we've been in and with young kids, most of those businesses have been flexible. Um, and they've been virtual so that I can build them from home. I can build them wherever we are because yeah. just by necessity with kids, they need to come first for me. Um, but the businesses follow after that. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My one question is um, when you were building that first business, it was a transition from working for someone else to, you know, basically working for yourself and building a team and all that kind of stuff and and having a partner in this endeavor. What was what was that like kind of first like couple months like for you? I mean, you had to, had you, did you have anyone kind of helping you like, you know, mentoring you like, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this, or was it like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm not going to let myself fail. Like, what was, what was that like? I mean, for you? Um, yeah, that's a big question. We did have some mentors. There was a woman who just before we branched out on our own, she had done a similar thing with a media company and she was a great resource to us. We also had our attorneys, we had um, accountants. And what I quickly realized with mentors is everyone's going to come at a different direction. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like you wanted to seek out advice that you could 
that would come in this, you know, beautiful little package that you could just plug right into the, your company, but that's not how it ever worked. It was like, you would gather advice from all these different places and then you'd have to just kind of internalize it and turn it around and figure out what makes sense for you. And it always came out looking different. Um, mm-hmm. So we had those mentors that were in person. We also had a lot of online mentors that we just met. Um, actually, kind of funny, like Gary V was just getting started during this time. And yeah. we would watch all of his wine library TVs. And in fact, I went out to Austin and was um, on the set of one of the wine library TVs. He, I want, I want a book from him, talk to him. I mean, we were, we had all these different mentors. We had a mentor in uh, New York named Norm Brodsky, who is a huge entrepreneur. We flew out there. He's in Brooklyn. We flew out there and met with him. We got plugged into a lot of different entrepreneurs through becoming very involved with Inc. Magazine. So we went to all of their events and um, South by Southwest and all stuff. So we had different virtual mentors as well. During this time, I remember it being sort of two things, super thrilling and exciting. Um, And then every now and then it would get sprinkled with a bit of terror and fear. Like I remember moments of sitting, like, for example, we opened a 400 square foot office space. And before we had any office furniture or anything for that matter, I remember sitting on the carpet in the, in the first room and we had all of the business cards that we had collected up to that point, which at this point I wouldn't have any business cards to look at. But at that time we did actually have have actual business cards and we just fanned them all out in front of us. And we just started calling people on our Blackberry phones um, to tell them what we were doing. And I had like what I now recognize is a small panic attack. Like just that mm-hmm. moment of what it, what in God's name am I doing? What are we doing? Is this even going to work? Um, yeah. So there were, there were moments like that or we were popping like uh, Zantac to help with heartburn because it was, I don't think we slept a lot uh, and there was a lot of stress involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I, I imagine it was kind of just like this, like, weird yin and yang of like, you have all this crazy, awesome energy, like the use of the thrill and the excitement, because you're surrounding yourself with all these great people. Um, and the energy that they have is feeding onto you. But then every once in a while, you have to go to the opposite side of that. And it has to, your body has to just kind of go through like that. Oh, crap. Like, is this real? Or is this am I going to figure this out? Like they can figure it out. I hope I can too. You know, was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure like the comparison game too, as you saw all these other people succeeding in their businesses, you're like, oh, I want to be that. I need to do it and figure it out. Um, can I even do it? Like, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, you kind of talked about. So, well, and yeah. I, th- I think one of the most uncomfortable things um, for any entrepreneur, um, and I've only, I say entrepreneur because I haven't experienced this working for anyone else. It's, it's really just been working for myself in building businesses that I've felt this to the extreme is, mm-hmm. You are only a step ahead of what you're offering others. And so by that, I mean, like when we set up the first business, we had a vague idea of what we wanted to do. We scratched out, you know, a business plan on a couple pages, came up with a name, created a logo, and we were in business. And we were going out to potential clients saying, here's what we can do for you. And you really have to come into those being very confident of what you can offer, even though on the inside, you're kind of going, what if this doesn't work? And what if we're not what they need? And you have all of these what ifs and these fears. And on the, you have to sell your most confident self. You have to sell that part that you know you can do. You know it's possible. And you're also a little bit freaked out because you know it's going to stretch you like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Were there ever like moments where you were pushing and pushing for something and it didn't work? Like, was it like a gut feeling you're like, hey, actually, I just don't feel like this is right. Let's stop doing this and do something else. Or was it like the evidence was just clear? Like, oh, like, you know, we're trying, but like, it's not working. Like, we'll do it. You know, I'm kind of curious, like gut versus data. Like, how did you kind of make decisions? Were there any moments like that? There, yes, there is. I've known um, or I've learned through the years when to transition a business. And to me, when you ask that question, that's really what comes to mind. I'm, I'm sure that there were things inside of the business as well in different businesses. But really the big question for me, as I've gone through these different business transitions, the, the number one thing 
that helps me figure out if it's time to move on from a business is I ask myself, is your heart still in it? And that has been the number one question. The minute I ask that, I gain total clarity. And it's not easy. Like I remember with the um, Charitably, which was the micro donation platform for nonprofits, I was sitting around the table. We were at a bar, uh, the two other founders and myself, and we were talking, we were coming up with all these ways, like how can we make the platform work better? How can we serve the nonprofits better? Because we were getting some complaints and you know, some of them were legit and we wanted to make it a better user experience for our donors and also for the nonprofits. And we were, mm-hmm. we were trying to like sketch this out on what this could be. And I could just feel the energy around that table was different from the energy that we had when we were creating the business. And it we were coming up with solutions, but they didn't feel they didn't have that same like drive and enthusiasm and heart behind it. And I remember just like stopping and being like, hold on, you guys. I just want to ask, like, is your heart still in this business? Like, is does it still get you excited? Do you still feel that flutter when you think about it? And all three of us, ha- we all had to be honest and say no. Like it, we just, and when your heart's not in it, you will never be able to do what you need to do to help that business thrive. And so if you, at that point, if you, you need to transition it is my belief. I don't think that, that you can like get your heart into it again. Maybe some people can. I haven't been able to at least. That's when I know it's time to go. It's time to transition. And with that business in particular, we didn't have anyone to transition it to in the best, the best response to that was to actually let it go. But it wasn't, it wasn't a failure. It was a huge growth opportunity for all of us. And so we, all of us kind of catapulted from that point, but that's, that's always been the question. Just is your heart in it? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Well, it reminds me of that conversation around you. It's kind of been joked about for a while and, and candidly still used, um, but following your passion, you know, that whole thing, do what you love for a living, blah, blah, blah. What do you, what do you think about that, that saying and that phrase? Um, and I guess, what is your, what is your approach to that? Cause obviously you want to have your heart in it, but it doesn't mean, you know, like you were saying with the pottery, like you're, oh yeah, I love doing this, but you don't have to make it a business. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, yeah, I just curious what your thoughts are on that. So one of the quotes that I so very strongly disagree with that I feel like is right in line with this question is find mm-hmm. what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think that's such BS. I think yeah. I I do because I love, love, love entrepreneurship. And there are many days where it is work. Like it mm-hmm. is because the thing is when you are growing, when you're stretching yourself, you will never want to do it. Um, it hurts. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. And it's that's always where you need to be. That's always going to feel like work. Um, the other side of it is great, but it's it's hard. It's really, really mm-hmm. hard. Um, the whole like find your passion thing. Um, I think too many people sit back and they look for their passion and they're trying to uncover it and they're not just moving. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a bigger believer in just take the next step. If there's something that you're curious about that you want to explore, do it. Just do it. Don't overthink it. Just take the next step. Move your feet. There's way, I I think the human condition is that we want to overanalyze, overplan, overresearch, over, over, over everything. Um, And if you do that, you just, you lose your passion. And before you know it, if you're not moving, you'll have no idea what you're passionate about. No clue. So, yeah. I don't know. I I would say don't follow your passion. Find something that lights you up for a moment and just what the hell? Give it a shot. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think that I think it's absolutely true. I don't think enough people experience enough things to actually understand like what they actually enjoy or what they're actually good at. Like they just make an assumption based on their history, their current history without Mm -hmm. taking the risk. Well, not necessarily even it's not even really a risk like you. Oh, you can, if it gets too risky, you, you stop doing it then. Like you just understand like, oh, I'm running out of money or I just don't have the time anymore. I have to pivot to this. Like you, you prioritize and you understand and you, you make a better decision. So, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think enough people just like, even in like two hours of your day, maybe it's even only three days a week, just pursue something like this. Like I started this podcast. I've been talking about it for a year. 
And mm-hmm. finally it took someone to tell me like, why don't you just do it? Like what's like holding you back? And I'm like, well, me, I'm holding myself back <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. it. And so now here I am. So um, I, yeah, I was I to- thinking I totally that. Agree of that example with you starting this podcast. It's exactly, it's exactly what I believe. And the thing is it changes, right? Like I wouldn't have known that I have a weird passion for baby food. Had I not like (laughs) had a child and started making baby food. I think it's fabulous and so much fun, but, but here's something that's super, super important because I think when people think about entrepreneurship or starting their business and following their passion, all these different things, way, way, way too many people think that you have to bet the farm. And Mm -hmm. I could not more strongly disagree with that. I think you need to manage the downside and you need to make sure that whatever you're doing, if the worst case scenario happens, that you're fine, that you're Mm -hmm. absolutely fine, that you'll be, it might hurt. You know, you're going to have a bruised ego. You might have a, a bruised finances a little bit, but you can walk away and you'll be okay. I mm-hmm. absolutely never, ever, ever go into a business investing, you know, time or money, investing so much that if it doesn't work, I'm underwater. Never. I never, mm-hmm. ever do that. I would never recommend anybody do that. Yeah. And I think that we prop up, you know, whether it's like from Shark Tank or um, The Apprentice or any of these TV shows, I think sometimes we prop this up as like, wow, that's so brave and they've risked so much. I don't think that's brave. I think that's stupid. I think it's Mm -hmm. really, really dumb because a lot of businesses don't work. And if you want to figure out what you really want to do, you're probably going to run through a few businesses and some of them might not work and you really need to make sure that's going to be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause that's the weird thing about investments is that you could be running as a company just solely off the investment, but not making enough revenue to sustain it. And so it's Mm -hmm. like you, you see all these big companies launching every year and you're like, Oh, it looks awesome. looks awesome. And then they're gone in two years because they ran out of money and they didn't, they actually didn't make money. The Uh idea was there and the like potential was there but it just didn't work. So, you know, and that's an interesting thing too, because perception versus reality can be so Mm -hmm. entirely different. There can be a business that you think, wow, they just have it made. And if you actually pulled back the curtain and looked at their books, you'd be be surprised at how many entrepreneurs basically own a job, own a job for themselves where they, if they don't show up, they don't have a business. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not a business I'm interested in running. So, yeah. and the, and the other thing is, is the, what they're paying themselves, they're lucky if it's even close to what someone else would pay them to do, to run, you know, to do whatever it is that they're doing too many people yeah. own their own job and, and don't get paid what they're worth. And so that, that's been the interesting thing with owning these different businesses, the ones that people are very interested in versus the ones that have been my cash cows, the cash mm-hmm. cows, most people aren't interested in. They're not sexy. They don't, they, they're not like the, you know, for example, like the bricks and mortar, the vacation rental, they're not that it's something else where people are like, yeah, I just don't think that I'd be interested in that. Well, that's where all the, that's, that's my biggest moneymaker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of want to pivot into, um, cause you talked about motherhood and entrepreneurship. I think that, and I know it's been on your heart, uh, on social lately. Um, so maybe talk about that. Like, what are your thoughts on, um, on being a mother and being an entrepreneur and, and how, how you make it happen. Like what, I guess, or what are you uncovering as you're learning more about it and talking to more women that are mothers that are entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the interesting things that I really believe uh, that I don't think women embrace is that so many of us are already very entrepreneurial. Like I do believe that if you want to create a, a rich life that you want to live and rich in experiences and relationships and sure financial can be a part of it. If you really want to create that life, you're the only person who's going to do it. So Mm -hmm. whether you're employed or you're a stay at home mom, or you are actually self-employed and you run your own business, every single one of us is self-employed in that way because we're the only ones who are responsible for that future. And so the the, in, the interesting thing about women is that we don't embrace this term entrepreneur. In fact, when I wrote my book, I had a 
um, a consultant, a gentleman out of California, I don't remember what part, reach out to me and ask to just have a conversation because he had been coaching women for years and years and years. And he said, you're the first one who calls herself an entrepreneur. Um, women just don't take on this term. It feels, and I even said it a little bit in the beginning, it still feels weird to call myself a serial entrepreneur. Um, it feels like we have to earn that title. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, you never earn the title. Like it is something that you have to embrace. It's like a way of being. It's not necessarily like, oh, I did it. I'm done. I, I was an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur is really like ongoing. It never ends. If you're really being an entrepreneur, if that is your way of being, you kind of approach life that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it comes to mothers, when it comes to women, it takes that same spirit, that same entrepreneurial spirit to set up the home you want, the life you want, the, what you want for your children, for your family. Every, all of it. So that's part of the reason I'm really, really passionate about it. It's not just about business. It's about so many other things. Um, because motherhood has actually been uh, probably, if not the hardest role, really damn close to the hardest role I've ever had to do. Mm -hmm. um, even in this like, you know, COVID-19 situation, like figuring out how I want to run my household and what I want my kids to learn at the end of this has been an entrepreneurial venture like like many of the others that I've had. You know, so what does the structure look like? What are our values? What are we hoping to achieve each and every day? And who do we want to be? And how do we want to show up? That is entrepreneurial thinking. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, they just, I, I it kind of blows my mind that in 2020, we're still not teaching this. And we're definitely not teaching it. You know, my girls are elementary level and younger. We're not teaching it at that level at all. If you ask yeah. them what they want to be when they grow up, they have a mom who's an entrepreneur. And in fact, their dad is as well. We own uh, the business that he, that he works in. They wouldn't tell you they want to be an entrepreneur. And it's not because of the example that we've given them. It's because they hear the word and they're like, eh, no, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a vet. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor, whatever it is, a firefighter, a policeman. That's cool. There are things that are easy to wrap your head around. Entrepreneur is not easy to wrap your head around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I actually thought about, because you recently kind of had a moment of, uh, I would say, vulnerability on, you just shared on your story, Instagram story this week about, because you talked about establishing all these kind of, uh, you know, what do we want to believe in? What do we want to do? What do we want to get done together as a family through this quarantine phase? But mm -hmm. you also talked about how you need to give, we need to all learn how to give ourselves ourselves grace through this whole thing, because none of us have ever done this before. It's a mm -hmm. whole new experience for everyone. So maybe talk about that a little bit. I think it's important to share even outside of, you know, once this COVID stuff is done, or we move past it in a better way, I guess, um, mm -hmm. how I think grace is important for ourselves at all times, like as, as much as like hustling, and like, you know, waking up early every day and doing all that stuff. Like, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. on, you know, finding that balance and giving yourself grace? So this is kind of funny, because actually going into COVID, I had on my goal board, my vision board, I wanted to create a business out of this. <laughs> and if it wasn't a business, I wanted to write a children's book about entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. because that's something I'd like to actually do at some point. Um, but I had I had very lofty ambitions, uh, mm -hmm. even for myself. And just a couple days in, I could sense already that not only were those things not going to get done, but probably, I mean, like most of what I would normally do in any given day, none of it's going to get done because mm -hmm. I work from home. My kids, the two olders go to school and now the five month old, go, she has childcare. So I work from home by myself where I can get a lot of things done each and every single day with just extreme focus and priority management and all that stuff. Well, having the three of them home and having to do homeschooling, take care of a newborn and doing sleep training. I'm not getting anything done. Not nothing. Not one thing. Like even recording this podcast, this will probably be one out of five things that I even do for the entire time that we're home. Um, yeah. So I realized, well, I would say probably three weeks in that we had to completely shift and release any sort of expectation about what was going to come out of this and instead just be really like fluid and 
for me, again, just get really curious, get really still. And so my focus during this time has actually been on reading, uh, journaling, prayer, devotion, meditation, and just total stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's part of the reason I know coming out of this, like I already knew 2020 was going to be a big year uh, for business and some big transitions in my life. But I think it'll be even more clear. I think it'll be even more on purpose coming out of this because I'm doing a lot of the work to figure out like, how do I want to live? Like, what do I want? What do I want each day to look like? And how are we going to do that? What, what it, What's going to make the most sense? And so I'm gaining a ton of clarity on that. And in fact, there's, I think coming out of this too, the way my days are structured will look entirely different than they did going into it. Just because I'm yeah. really getting clear on how, what do I want it to be? How do I, how, what do I want that to look like? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I can't really think of anything else to talk. I feel like there's a lot of things I could dive into, but I, I kind of want to move forward into this next section on mentors. And I know you mm-hmm. talked about, you had kind of a lot of different random mentors in the beginning. Um, but you know, now that you're, you're starting to kind of like lead other people in entrepreneurship, but you know, but I always see that great leaders have, have coaches and mentors like to keep them in check and keep them growing. Um, so do you have people that are in your life or maybe do you, maybe you have a coach that helps mentor you in what you're doing with you and your business? Mm -hmm. I have a ton of people in my life that help me grow. And it depends on the season, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've gone, I've had a couple different business coaches. And in fact, my first business coach that I worked with, I think we started working together, uh, probably like 2011, 2012. And I worked with him for a number of years. And then eventually I found uh, the business coach that I was most recently with. And she and I worked together for a couple of years. I love business coaches because they ask you the questions that sometimes you're too afraid to ask yourself or you don't give yourself time and space to really answer. And it's somebody who can really help you dive into what's what's really going on. So business coaches, absolutely. Um, peers and other people who are running businesses in the spaces that I'm in. So like right now, my biggest business is in network marketing. And so I, I literally have hundreds of mentors that I talk to and not, not every day, like yesterday I was on the phone with one of them, but I talk to them every single day about how to run business, how to continue growing, what's needed, just, you know, what's happening with the economy. What does that look like? I also have, um, I think a lot of the books and podcasts that I listen to, I consider those my mentors. They don't know me. We don't have a personal relationship, many of them, but I learned so much from them. And those are the ones that depending on what I'm walking through, they change. Like for me right now, the most impactful people are probably like Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle. Um, but at different times in my life, like I'm, if I'm really diving in and I'm trying to figure out podcasting, for example, like Jenna Kutcher might be a really big one for me then, because I'm trying to figure out the how to's of podcasting. I've also had, when I was writing the book, I definitely had a coach through that. I had an editor through that. I surrounded myself with people who had done it because Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll be straight. Like I love to learn on my own. I often learn on my own and I often fall on my face multiple, multiple times. It seems that I have to learn that way, but I've also learned that learning from other people, it's it's a lot easier. You don't go through as many failures. It can be a lot more Mm -hmm. streamlined and it can be a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like to call people that are online or in books, passive mentors, because they're still guiding you and teaching you. And I think they like you kind of said, they it depends on the season you're in or your mental state. Like it'll hit you in different ways, and it's just yeah, it's great. Um, and mentors uh, come from all different places. I will tell you. Like I just finished up Jessica Simpson's book. I just I planned on reading that just for like I don't know, just you know, yeah. entertainment value. But I actually there were some really powerful things in it that I took. I walked away from, and I will also say my kids are some of the best mentors for me because they reflect back to you mm-hmm. how you are being and what you're saying. And there's a lot of things that come back from them. That I'm like, Ooh, I don't know that that is how I want to be. Yeah, for <laughs> right? sure. Yeah. 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 So they've been huge helps for me just on 
shaping who I, who I am and showing up as. Yeah. And and then the other one I like to ask is other mentors of your life, like people of compassion and tough love that you're close with that have guided you through kind of like these, I, I'm, I would imagine your husband was a, is a part of that, but there, or maybe there's someone else besides your husband, like maybe a sister or something. Yeah, definitely my husband, um, business coaches for sure, because they're paid to actually help you get results. And so yeah. there are a lot of times where they need to call you on things that other people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, this is a new one I've added and it still feels weird to talk about, but I started seeing a therapist last year, <laughs> even yeah. saying that is like, well, shoot, she's broken. I have this <laughs> very, very narrow view that people who go to therapists are broken. And I, I say that with all the humility because I realize I sound like a, a total jerk. Um, but I started seeing one because there was, I was just getting stuck. The, mm-hmm. Um, I could feel it was actually from business. There is some some things I started to look at and I felt very stuck. I felt like I couldn't move forward and do what I knew that I needed to do. And I couldn't figure out why. And I was experiencing a lot of pain. And so I started going to this therapist and as therapists do, she started digging really deep. And it turns Mm -hmm. out some of these decisions and some of these pains that I was going through actually stem from way, way back. And go figure it has to do with like people pleasing. And Mm -hmm. if I had, you know, if I would make certain decisions, it would upset certain people or disappoint people. And that is really difficult for me to take on. And so that has been somebody actually that I've been really grateful to add to my inner circle because she just adds this, this different perspective and a whole lot of depth that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too, like just that's, it's funny that you candidly speak, spoke about like the thoughts on, on seeing a therapist. Cause there's a lot of stigma around it. Like you just, at least in the past, it's definitely more like now I know, I know people in my personal life and then just people that I've known through my professional life that are like more public about seeing a therapist. And they're like, this is the best decision I ever made. Or like people are saying like, oh, I've actually been seeing a therapist for the last eight years. It was the best decision I ever made. I don't know why I didn't share it before. You know, so it's been, I think it's super valuable for all of us. Like it shouldn't, you shouldn't be embarrassed. Just like going to see a doctor to check your physical health. You should go check in with someone about your mental health. Like how do you keep yourself in check? So. Oh, uh, true. I think it'll be such a game changer to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, So I I think we're um, getting close to the end here. So one other question I'd like to ask, um, you know, is if you were to, this is, this is definitely probably a loaded question too, you know, but if you were to start your path over today, you know, what could you see yourself doing differently to help you kind of like set yourself up for success better? Um, If you were, you know, 25 again, doing that first business and, you know, this is kind of like advice to somebody else, like what would you share? Yeah, it's a big question. The first thing that I think of is nothing. Yeah. And I wouldn't change anything. Um, The truth is I probably, there's definitely been some pain in there that I could have avoided by doing things differently or, and of course, you know, we learn so much through pain. Mm -hmm. I probably would have, I would have prioritized the things that I find so valuable now. I would have prioritized them then. Meaning like the whole stillness and balance and getting really quiet with meditation and reading and prayer and devotion, all of these things. I think that I have been, I've become a better leader, uh, a better entrepreneur, and certainly a better mother through being just quieter. Um, I used to think that you had to have all of the answers. And I think like a lot of 20 somethings, right. I thought I had a lot of the answers. Mm -hmm. And so I probably didn't listen as much as I should have. I did more talking than I needed to. And just be, I mean, because of the fact that I was also running my own business and I, you know, talked about this earlier that a lot of times you just have to be one step ahead. You've got to be selling what you're doing before you're even doing it. You know, you have to have somebody take a, take a risk in you and then you provide the service. And so you're selling it before you actually do it. That in a lot of ways can be very destructive because you learn how to, you know, people say fake it before you make it. Like you learn how to do that because it's, it's a means of survival. You've got Mm -hmm. to, you've got to tell people what you do before you actually do the thing. And, um, unfortunately that creates a very bad, 
like learner in you. There were a lot of my life. I wasn't as vulnerable as what I would have liked to be. Like I've, I've learned this about myself that when people criticize me, even just in a way of, Hey, I think you could be better. It, my initial reaction is to take it very critically. Like mm-hmm. it, it hurts. And then I'd step back and go, Whoa, no, it is not about me. It's about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think that's because so much of my career has been like, I had to just jump in and do it. And there weren't a lot yeah. of people there to, to really say, here's how I think you should do it differently. I was just learning as I went. And so now this next phase is helping other people, but also helping myself and asking for more help and asking the questions that I've been afraid to ask and doing more listening and being quieter versus like trying to always come up with the answers by myself. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. One actually, one other question I thought of. I didn't even. I don't know why I didn't write this down as a note. Because you, you obviously wrote your book, and but with that, that whole process was very unique from my perspective. Because I've I've written a book myself, um, mm-hmm. not I don't, anything to an extent of yours, but you were like publicly sharing the the journey of you writing that book. So mm-hmm. have you? And I guess the, my first question is: Did you ever picture yourself as a writer? And what did you learn about yourself as you were writing that book and like how to how to execute and make it happen? So part of the reason I was very vocal about sharing it is actually because this is something that I do. I I wrote about in the book is I trap myself. Um, Mm -hmm. If there is a goal that I really want to see through and accomplish and I know that there is a high like there, I know that there's a lot of fear around it and there's a chance that I won't make it to the finish line. I'll actually share that goal with a lot of people so that I trap myself in it, that I, that I have no choice but to to finish it and to see it through. And so that was strategic with the book. But then through the process, it was fun to bring people along on the journey because I realized a lot of people have this dream to write a book. And so I wanted to sort of demystify the process because for for many years, for me, it was a very, it was, I I never really quite knew how it all worked. You know, you think like, oh, well, you just sit down and write, but I had tried that many times and it didn't work. So I was, I wanted to sort of demystify this for people. And I had a process that other people could follow, which was I wrote every day for an hour from 6am to 7am before my kids got up. And I did that over nine months. Um, and that was the book. Yeah. And so I didn't see myself as a writer. In fact, I resisted this urge to write the book. And I would say that this was like, uh, it felt like this really deep calling. And the only reason I eventually did it is because it got so painful to keep inside that I needed to just get past this. It was the thing that, you know, when like a speaker or somebody will ask you a question, like, what is that thing that you know you need to do? Every time I was like, it's a damn book. I'm so sick (laughs) of this book. And so I ended up having just, I had to do it because I had to get it out. Um, But I resisted it because I did not think I was a good writer. And there was Mm -hmm. a lot of shame associated with that, which is really strange. Like I, I took something that I didn't think that I was skilled at and I turned it into like, well, I'm, I must be a bad writer then. And so I carried this identity around with me, but I had to push through it. And I actually learned through the process. I'm, I'm not that bad. Like a lot of people said they've liked the book and I really enjoyed writing it. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. and here's the last thing I tell people when they're like, well, I could never do that. I'm not a good writer. We're not good at anything we don't do consistently. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a very good painter because I paint very haphazardly every now and then when I sort of feel like it. If I actually committed the time to painting every single day, I'd become a pretty good painter. Yeah. You know, and I we have these examples around us, but we feel like it has to be this when it comes to art, when it comes to writing, any kind of creative pursuit. I think music is the same way. We feel mm-hmm. like that's something we had to have been born with. And that's simply not yeah. true. Yep, I agree. Yeah. There's a great um, there's a great book called The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. Um, he. Mm-hmm talks about yeah so he was a therapist and he has kind of all these like little stories and he goes through like spirituality and love um and like how love is like at the core and compassion at the core of um a lot of things and uh but he talked about in the book how he he was like yeah i remember walking down the street one day my neighbor was fixing his lawnmower and i said oh i wish i learned could could fix my own lawnmower and he's like well you could if you just took the time to learn 
Mm. And he started to, and he kind of rolled into this whole conversation about anything in life. If you take the time and invest into it and learn it, you can get good at it. And that's when he talked about relationships, like where you spend your time shows what you value. And if you don't value your time on relationships, your relationships won't get better. Your business won't get better. Your whatever, your skill won't get better. So I think it's true with, with writing, with music, like you said. Um, and Seth Godin talks about writing too. He's like, can you speak? He always asked, like, like there was a podcast interview. He's like, well, if you can speak, you can write. He's like, obviously, like, you're not going to be a good writer. When you were three years old, you couldn't speak very well, but here you are. Like, it's mm-hmm. just kind of that whole thing, putting in the time and the effort. And and he talked about, too, the a lot of people like the idea. They, they romanticize the idea, like, oh, I want to write a book. Like, they like being in that spot, but they don't want to, like, do the hard part. Um, but then once you get through the hard part, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah, it kind of sucks sometimes, but I did it and I know mm-hmm. what I can do better next time to make it better. And I know like you kind of gained that confidence because you're like, oh, people liked my book. Cool. It, I did do something good. And now you don't feel probably as uh, afraid to do another one if you want, ever want to do another one. So no, uh, yeah. and I will tell you for anybody who has that desire in their heart to write a book, it is probably one of the most fulfilling things when you get feedback that that book helped somebody. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah, it, it really, it's still to this day, like I'm so humbled by the people who leave reviews. And when I read those reviews, it's like, I just, it really stays with me that it's so Mm -hmm. cool that each one of our stories can truly have an impact on someone else. It's, it's super powerful. Yeah. I always tell people just like start writing on your write thoughts and, and, and things like on your Instagram or on your Facebook or wherever, or start a little WordPress blog and just start sharing those things. Cause that's what I did. And all of a sudden, like you said, people just start, you know, whether they direct message you or send you an email or leave a review, like that, like totally reminds you like why you should keep doing it. They're like, Oh my gosh, like somebody like was impacted by what I said, like in mm-hmm. a really positive way. Like that's so cool. Like you can't put like, a dollar value on that. Like, I mean, I guess you could at some point if you could figure out, like, oh, how could I turn this into a business? But like that, like sticks with you for the rest of your life. And it like validates that you, you're doing something good and right. And you believe in yourself and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And you saying that just really makes me think about, it's a good example for what we were talking about earlier about, do you, fo- do you follow your passion or what do you do? That your advice is spot on with somebody who wants to write, just start taking steps. Because mm-hmm. I will tell you, like, I really enjoyed the process of writing the book. I really enjoyed the finish. <laughs> most of all, I loved having the book when it was done. But I can tell you what I absolutely love most, most, most is being able to impact people that I've never, ever met. Hearing them just say, this really helped me. That's what I'm passionate about. But I would have never gotten there had I not mm-hmm. just started doing something. If I was waiting to impact people, I would never get there. Yeah. I have to, I had to create my own story just like every single one of us has to do. You have to create your own story because it's through people's stories that we feel this, you know, this kinship and we feel like okay, they really get it. They've been there. That's what leaves an impact on people and the only way you can do that is just by living out your story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and and like you said, like there's no you don't know what people need, right? In that in those moments like so that's why I think it's it's so easy to go on Instagram, share a story, whether you type it out or you just share like thoughts of that day. Like you don't know who's going to need that, who's going to hear that and like how, how it's going to change. I think that's such a, a simple way to start. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And that's why I like what you do. Like you're, you're always kind of sharing and it's not like, you're not like researching and asking what people need all the time. You're just kind of like, you know what, today I felt this and this is what I feel. And I just want to share that with everybody. And like, even for me, like it, it helps me and, and I obviously I'm not like your core audience, but I still like learn and grow from it and like appreciate it and all that kind of stuff. So, well, yeah. thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, cool. So how can people like, um, f- you know, follow, follow you online, learn more about you, maybe purchase your book, you know, kind of like lay the land, like where people can discover you on the online. Yeah, the easiest way is through the website, justdennis.com. Okay. Um, and then from there, we have our different social links. I think on Instagram, I'm balanced entrepreneur underscore in the middle. I always forget that stuff. But that's mm-hmm. the website kind of branches out into all those different things. Yeah, for cool. sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jess. This is this is awesome. I'm so glad because we haven't had a chance to actually talk like this. It's no. always been we met in real life once and it was pretty short, though. Um, <laughs> I know. But, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah. Have a great day. Thank you for having me on. You as well. 
Hey folks, thanks for listening. Be sure to visit neverdonethispodcast.com to access all the show notes and more. Within the show notes, you'll find things like links to the guests' social accounts, their websites, and to be able to dive deeper into some of the things we talked about in the episode. So if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, you know, leave us a rating, give a review on iTunes. So look for Never Done This Before on iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave a review. It'd be super awesome. And be sure to share your favorite episodes with friends and family too, or anyone you think that would benefit from hearing these stories. And if you personally have any questions, you know, recommendations for people to interview or simply want to say hello or, you know, want some feedback on something you're thinking about, I'd love to connect with you. The easiest way to do that is to go to neverdonethispodcast.com and you'll find a link to get in touch. I'm also creating a newsletter so you can stay up to date on every single episode and get exclusive content that you won't find within the podcast. So I hope you'll join us. Thanks again for listening and I appreciate the time you take to hear these stories. Take care, friends, and be brave. Be brave.